What's going on with the surface of planet Earth? And how are the living systems in the Central Valley of California responding to the crises? Stay tuned to hear stories and updates from your host, Pegasus, on peril and promise for the next 28 minutes. Born in the Modesto Peace Life Center, this monthly radio program emerged to educate everyone on environmental injustices and the recovery of human health despite climate chaos. In each episode of Peril and Promise, Pegasus encourages you to recognize how our physical and mental health is inextricably linked to our ecological habitat. Life is disastrous. On the show today, we have Richard Anderson. During this pandemic, we've been doing a lot of our shows, most of our shows through Zoom, so there may be some background sounds of house cats running through. <laughs> In any case, again, I am Pegasus and Richard Anderson. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Richard is a retired um, instructor and is a, 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 an accomplished filmmaker in my book. Uh, I first heard of you, Richard, when you did the movie about homeless folks in Modesto, probably about five years ago, maybe? 2018. 18. Oh, wow. It's more recent. It only seems like it's been five years. It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about um, the kinds of things of bridging the gap between the healing the divide, you know, in our country. We'll just start with my uh, beginning to have an interest in doing films. And that was up in Columbia College. I was a part-time teacher there. In Tuolumne County. Yeah. Um, Well, I was in Columbia itself. Mm -hmm. And so I could walk to school to do my education. Uh, And... I wanted to videotape nature and travel. And so since then, I've uh, done many trips out into the outer world uh, with my wife, Lynn Hansen. And we've uh, documented a lot of different places. And so I find that really fulfilling as a biology teacher because that helps people to see and experience um, um, without actually having to do the expense of going there themselves. Well, and so as time went by, um, Columbia College up there was where I got my first big uh, teaching assignment. And I learned how to do videography because of uh, Marty Blake, the videography teacher up there. And so I have to thank him. And so as time evolves, I'm down in Modesto, and I become acutely aware in my retirement that we have a terrible homeless problem. And how can I um, help people understand what's going on there so that we can treat people properly, etc.? That movie, so went, the, the movie that you did on homelessness in Modesto came out in 2018, but it took a few years to make it, right? Oh, it took five years to that, make it. That's why I was thinking it was older. <laughs> <laughs> so to think back uh, five years before then, um, I went to the Barbarian Salvation Army, and I videotaped, I, I videotaped a lot of things. I videotaped the uh, celebration of the people who had died that are homeless in our area. But from my uh, revolutionary perspective, 
the the disease of capitalism and the the um the sickness of selfishness and that is rampant in our society that kind of ogre is what kills people um the number one issue for homelessness is the lack of housing and why is there a lack of housing because of greed as i just called it an an ogre of this viciousness that is that that runs the country so people are being killed by the entities that are selfish and are taking resources away the military is an ogre that takes money away from human needs and people die so in a sense they're killed but that's my opinion so well i i went there to videotape the event and i was going to put it on youtube and all i had a big lesson there i was scared to go there to be honest um i had actually gone there with the methodist church to serve meals that we had prepared um but before that no experience with homeless okay well so i was videotaping this event and two guys said hey if you ever want to uh, videotape an interview of me and i can play the guitar uh, I, i'd like to do it and and the other guy said yeah i'd like to be interviewed too and so it was a an epiphany time instead of them being angry and ashamed and uh, refusing any kind of com- communication with me then uh, the people were eager not everyone of course but there were a few and so i thought well all right so i'll start interviewing people and uh, just see what happens yeah well eventually it evolved into uh, working with a team of uh, people uh, most notably john lucas from the modesto peace life center had advertised that he wanted to have uh, videography help in interviewing homeless people and so i i had known him a little bit before and so i responded i was the only one that responded and so uh, he and i started uh, working with frank ploof who is a real homeless hero here oh like, my gosh we could talk for half an hour about frank and his work and then it included eric kane who's also developing written articles about our local homeless and his the valley citizen is a wonderful place to go to learn about m- many things including that and he became our narrator for the movie right. and lang way. power lang was part of it and lang <clears throat> was a very important part lang did the major interviewing Mm-hmm. and uh she has a good ambiance and she's very smart mm-hmm. and is able to maintain communications and keep it going and ask people good penetrating questions what more could we ask for so <clears throat> that is uh, what we did and 5 years later it was time to present this project i did that uh and yeah. Yeah, well, added the editing uh, skills, video computer editing to your um, your skill set. You hadn't had that before, and you learned by necessity. Oh well, yeah, I I knew the basics, but mm-hmm. to do an hour program of that complexity was something I'd never done before. Yeah, and so I learned a lot. And other people helped me, of course. Wes Page, uh, ultimate videographer in this area. um guided me uh, on learning how to do things but the short of it is we we did that we did a program at MJC and there were about uh, 
250 people that attended and they they loved it and so i thought well let's go for it and do this at the state the state theater was happy to do it and work with us well we decided to present our movie to the state theater and part of the plan was not to just have people come in view the film and love it or hate it and leave but to keep that audience there for a while to discuss the film. And so that was fine with them. So we got a a panel together with each of our showings. We had four eventually, different places. The uh, panel that we had for the state was uh, Chief of Police Carroll and Christy I.U., who was the uh, city council person at the time. And um, she actually hired <laughs> the homeless person that we had representing the homeless. And Leng Power was the moderator. And so that was just probably the most intense uh, day of my life, my gosh. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm Pegasus, and this is Peril and Promise. We've got Richard Anderson with us here today talking about some of the works he's done in the past and some of the things he's working on in the future. Um, So as we were talking, let's take a, a, a quick breather and we'll be right back with Peril and Promise. Welcome back to Peril and Promise. I'm your host, Pegasus, and Richard Anderson is with us today talking about some of the uh, projects he's worked on in the past, and we're going to get on to the future in a few minutes here. Do you hope to live long enough to to make another movie and show it uh, post-COVID, perhaps, where you have a lot of people in the same gathering space anymore? Regardless of how it'll be shown, are you planning on making a a new movie? Um, I don't know. You said it was the most intense day of your life, um, in a sense. Okay, so my next idea about filmmaking was that we have a terrible climate um, destruction process going on. And so I would make a movie about local climate change impacts. It has to be local. Yeah. And by local, I mean like our latitude in Modesto from the Sierras to the ocean. And actually the issues that uh, I was going to be including, uh, and we've done some work on it now. Oh, good. Would be wildfire fires. Of course. Wildfires, bark beetle death from drought, agricultural pest spreading, species moving northward as Mm -hmm. the warming occurs in the Mm -hmm. south yeah bee decline i thought maybe that's also involved here but as we go through time it seems like it's not really climate change that's threatening them but um there are animals like a barmet or pika that are on mountaintops and species are seen to be moving upward as the lower levels warm up Mm -hmm. and another thing was ocean acidification 
Now, most people don't realize that ocean acidification is global warming's sour sister. Mm. Uh, when that carbon dioxide goes into the ocean, then the pH drops and it starts to make it really hard for some microorganisms, or, or I should say organisms, to make calcareous shells like oysters, for example. And it's impacting the oyster production over on our coast. They really have too low of a pH there to be able to seed new growth locally. They bring them in from more northerly areas. And another thing about the local climate change impacts is asthma increases. We are warming up the uh, valley here too much and impacting stone fruits like almonds. And it has to do with the number of chill hours needed to make the proper development of the almonds. And yeah. so that's a, or, a or other plants. Problem. Other plant species too, but especially you're saying the stone fruits are really yeah. needing that. They're very but, sensitive to the amount of chill hours, and if you don't get that same hours, that the quality of the the fruits and nuts, the, the seeds are not um, going to be uh, useful to other animals such as humans. <laughs> yeah, well, and then the last factor that we wanted to visually take people to is the land subsidence in the Kern county area uh, actually global warming is not causing the land to subside right that's overuse of water there is a clear cause and effect change of effects if you warm this area then you're going to create situations in the summer when more and more water extraction has to supplement the water that is available and so down there south of us here uh, especially they're just pulling out so much water that the soil is subsiding, I think something like 20 feet in recorded times. Now, that might seem okay. Well, no one's falling off the edge of the earth, right? But what's the problem? Oh, the problem was that the Delta Mendota Canal, for example, was built on a certain uh, inclination. And now all of a sudden, the south part of it has sunk so many feet that now water is uh, hitting up against the the bridges that used to go across. So uh, this is a serious problem. And so they've spent several millions of dollars uh, revamping that Delta Mendota, repairing cracks and all of that. Yeah. And so we need to uh, go these places and show the effects to the viewers and uh, it's really a quite an exciting project. So it sounds like uh, with this new uh, film that you were working on before something else, uh, the pandemic and other things going on with our politics in the country uh, sort of maybe uh, took your attention for a while. I'm wondering with that film, the film is already gone, it sounds like, from what you're saying, from pre-production into production stage? The climate change one has about 10 different things that I need visual and uh, audio investigations on. Uh -huh. And we've done about three. Uh -huh. The three that we've done are chill hours and wildfires and the drought causing bark bead, beetle uh, tree death. Mm -hmm. um, there, uh, There's a little work on the other things too, but those are really all we got out of 10. And then yeah. COVID came. Yes, and, COVID came and yeah, changed I, everything. Uh, I have one lung and lung cancer, and I, I, I can't go out 
uh, in COVID and get exposed and continue doing video work. So right. that's in advance. Um, as we talked earlier, uh, Richard, about the other film from uh, 2018 and that took uh, five years in the making, you had a, a team of other people that worked on it. I'm just wondering, are you, what's the size of your team? I know you touched on it, but is there, are there people on your team that are not as medically fragile as you are with the lung condition that can go out and shoot things and that you'd still have a good time doing the editing or do you want to be there for every shot as the director of the film? We have a very small team for the climate project. Uh, I'm sure that everyone's been watching for the last four years. There's been a lot of other things to attend to than questioning about climate change, even though we basically know that that is bigger of a problem than uh, any particular political process. Because it affects the whole ecosystem on the earth. But uh, we do uh, have a some people. David Froba is on our team, who is a past Audubon Society president. And so we're looking for more people to help us in this project. If people have video um, abilities and and uh, vision to get a video like this out to people, uh, it's going to be a Im- high-impact movie if we can uh, get it out in the next few years, because we have had a change in the political doors there. There are solutions, and we need to take those solutions. Yeah, um, the Biden and Harris administration that's coming in, Biden and Harris are the names of the people that are taking over, and their whole cabinet, including the Secretary of Interior, I think they're still thinking at this point in time, of Deb Haaland, a Native American woman from uh, New Mexico. So there's a lot of good signs for what could change slightly for the better in terms of our politics. What other stories do you have of the resilience, like maybe as you've looked into these Um, You said there's 10 aspects of the film. You've shot three of them so far, pretty much. Um, What resilient species have you seen or any signs of hope from nature, regardless of what humans have done or any comebacks um, that you've seen? Hopefully there's something (laughs) so far. I know you got seven other segments of the film to work on. Well, to be honest, we have to realize that nature's services are inestimable without nature providing all that it does we really are up up a creek and Mm -hmm. so i I think that the sooner we start addressing the problem the better it'll be the less bad it'll be but we are going to go through incredibly bad effects in the next well we're experiencing some of it now but Within 10 years, if we don't change our ways, we're really in trouble. What kinds of trouble would that be? People are migrating to get water, for example. And people are migrating to get away from water, like in Bangladesh. I mean, that whole delta is is just going to be submerged with sea level rise. So um, (laughs) uh, when I look at the things that I've done in my life, I, I taught science microbiology especially for decades well that's good and then i made that movie on homelessness well that's good but this is an issue that will not be cured for another 50 years at least and i'm pessimistic 
But I don't think we have enough intelligence in our public um, to be able to meet this challenge. And one uh, evidence of that is 74 million people voting for a president who calls climate change a hoax. We will pay dearly for this. Yes. This reminds me of a song, so let's listen. We'll be right back with Richard Anderson uh, here on Peril and Promise. No time for spin doctor's medicine. Corporation government selling me some cover-up. Weaponizing pesticides, poisoning my groceries. Nothing but another drug, a license they can buy and sell. No, I don't mind dying. No time for backhanded compliments from television anchor men desperate for incident. Real estate assassins. Exploiting our predicament How everything depends upon it Being in their interest No, I don't mind dying well, I don't mind dying That's Buffy St. Marie, Power in the Blood If you're just joining us, this is Peril and Promise And our guest today is Richard Anderson We'll get back to Richard in a minute But because um, this is a special moment in early 2021 in global history. I wanted to play a little bit of uh, Noam Chomsky's statement regarding the existential threat of nuclear weapons. With today's progress in ending this hideous era, we should remember the events of 40 years ago and the many other occasions when popular mobilization, dedicated action made a difference. Without it, it will drift between regression and normalcy, a state that cannot be tolerated. The tasks are very clear. Forty years ago, some of the largest demonstrations in history took place in North America and Europe, protesting plans to install highly destabilizing weapons in Europe. That was a large part of the background for the Reagan-Gorbachev Treaty in 1987, banning these weapons, significantly lowering the threat of war. That was Noam Chomsky. Uh, he made that statement on January 22nd, 2021. And uh, the reason I wanted to play that uh, quote from Professor Noam Chomsky is because uh, today's show we have Professor Richard Anderson, who is also concerned about existential threats. It's been great talking to you and hearing from you about uh, the issues of climate change, climate chaos, um, and the issues of homelessness. Um, and, and you've also, uh, because of the, the social scene in the United States and the, the divide of, of uh, political concepts, you've seen that lately, in, in the time of uh, pandemic, especially as it was politicized this issue of life and death of, of wearing masks and not all these kinds of things um, 
it seems like uh, that's uh, captured your attention recently, and you'll be getting back eventually to the uh, uh, Climate Chaos film, but uh, in your life, and we'll hopefully follow up with that in future episodes of Peril and Promise. But can you tell me more about what you're thinking on um, the healing the divide? It seems like for the last four years, the silos that we live in have gotten deeper and better insulated, and we're suffering from that. And we see that in the fact that we had on January 6th an invasion of the Capitol. I mean, this is just not... um, part of who we are <laughs> well who we are has uh, changed from uh, being patriotic and loving our children and, and all that to uh, a mob going after president pence i mean it's unbelievable so my my feeling is that all right set aside the global climate change uh this is a slower process so we need to get going and how can we heal the chasm between the poles of what's going on. Well, of course, both Trump and Joe Biden have said they want to bring the nation together. Uh, And I I think that's a great idea. But no matter what Joe Biden does, he can pass laws, but he can't change people's hearts. Right. And And you can't trust two white guys that say they want to bring things together because they are (laughs) representing the oppressive class neither of them have uh, are people of color. And so you ask anybody that's a person of color that's seen all this viciousness and violence towards black people and Native Americans and others for decades and centuries, it's like, this is just the fruition. January 6th was um, the ugly, everybody else, the white people got to wake up and see how terribly ugly and evil has been going on. The South, people in the South have been saying for over a hundred years, the South will rise again. And they finally did in their very ugliest way of white men going to the Capitol to do vicious, stupid, insane, ridiculous things, just showing how bad things are for most people in the country in terms of their souls (laughs) being sick. It does suck. This is wrong. And this is the truth of America. I use the term Caucasian, European, Because biologically, if you're white, you're dead. You don't (laughs) have any oxygen uh, in hemoglobin anymore. So, (laughs) yeah. But uh, to go back to the idea, how do we heal a nation when even the presidents can't really do that? Right. It's up to all of us to do the healing. I agree, Richard. It's up to all of us. It's up to people power. And I'm sorry we're out of time right now, but hopefully we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Peril and Promise, KCBP's half-hour show regarding environmental injustices and human recovery from health hazards. More information can be found on kcbpradio.org, including our weekly schedule of programming, Peril and Promise is hosted and edited by Pegasus. Opinions expressed on this show are not representative of the Modesto Peace Life Center, KCBP Radio, or their presidents and board of directors. Our theme music for Peril and Promise was produced by Alzara Getz of Dorothy's Melting and Eileen Shaughnessy of The Inbetweens. Thank you again for tuning in to Peril and Promise on KCBP, 
Here in the Central Valley of California, the archives of this and other KCBP shows can be accessed at kcbpradio.org.